So I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away every stain. No, I'm not who I used to be because I don't have to be the old man inside of me because his day is long dead and long because I got a new name, a new life. I'm not the same and I hope that will carry me One. 
says that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus. Please be seated for a moment. Before we pray for the offering and before we get into the rest of the service, I, I want Tim to share a testimony that he has this morning that I'm sure will bring joy to all of our hearts and minds. You can do it from back there if you want, Tim, or whatever you want to do. So. And I understand that for some, that, that for, for all of us, that's a, very, that's a very joyful thing. 
Um, you know, there's a, the Bible says there's a party going on in heaven. Okay? The uh, Bible says that there's more celebration over one that returns to God than 99 who do not need to return to God. So we know there's a celebration in heaven. But I was having conversation after that, and I know that there is some sadness. That that brings sadness to some because there are some of you who have family members that have still not responded. You've been praying for them for a long time. Been praying for them. And they just, they just haven't responded. So I just, here's what I would like to do this morning. If you have a family member, okay, if you have a family member that has yet to respond to the gospel and you've been praying for them, I'd like you to just stand up. Because I'm going to pray with you and for you. I'm going to pray that. See, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And your house. And your house. Okay? And your house. Now, nobody twisted God's arm in making that promise. Nobody made a demand of God and said, you will promise to save my house. That's a promise that he made. All of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. All of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Father, I come to you today and I want to pray for each person who's standing here today because you know exactly who they are thinking about when they stood and said, there's a member of my family that's still has not come to know Christ as their Savior. Father, we're not coming to you with something that, that is, you are indifferent about. For your word says that you are not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And since the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the, God, short of the glory of God, then we know that all need to repent. We know, Lord, that you commended your love for, to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You did not have Christ die on the cross. You did not make the promise and thy house in an idle and misleading way. Now, Lord, I know that in our hearts, we want this to happen very quickly. We want this to happen now. We don't want them to waste another moment of their lives living for the world and living for the enemy. We want them to enjoy what it means to be a child of God with our sins forgiven and to be able to say it is well with my soul. We want them to be enjoying the peace and the joy that comes from knowing that we are in a right relationship with God. That's what we want for them and we want it very badly. But help us not to become impatient, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us to keep praying. So right now, here today, we lift up each one of these that are standing. And the one or ones they are thinking about. And we ask you, Father, by the 
The only way this is going to happen, Father, is for you to call them. It's the only way it's going to happen. No one comes, Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Father, we are asking you this morning to draw them to yourself. Bring events and circumstances into their lives that will draw them to Jesus. So that he, Father, can give them to you. For he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Holy Spirit of God, you and you alone are the one who changes people's minds, hearts, and attitudes toward the Father. We ask you to do a mighty powerful work in the lives of these individuals so that their hearts might be turned, so that the eyes of their understanding will be opened, so that their they will see how they have been held captive and how you have come to set them free forever. Open the eyes of their heart, Lord. Open the eyes of their heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Father, we continue to worship you now as we give to you of our tithes and offerings, and I ask that you would just bless it and use it and help us to use it wisely to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Let's just uh, bow our heads for a moment. Father, I pray that you will um, open our hearts and minds to hear, to hear your word. Um, your word today gives us some important instruction. And uh, I, I want us to hear it, Father, and I want it, to become a, want it to become a part of us. So I just pray that we will hear what you have to say to us today, and we will enjoy it. And we will say, this is where I want to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We are, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. And we have reached chapter 14 of, uh, of 1 Corinthians. And, um, but there's some things that I want to say in the very beginning. It may take me a while to get into the chapter 
Uh, we're going to go through it. Uh, there's only there's a few high points that I want to I want to hit. Some of it you're, you'll just have to maybe read and study your own because I I don't want to take more than one Sunday to go through this. Uh, but there's some important things in the in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, and uh, and I really want us to uh, to get a hold of that uh, and and see that today. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 it says, "Follow the way of love and eagerly desire." spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now we've talked in chapter 12 where we had the the list of gifts where God lists the gifts or Paul lists the gifts and says these are the gifts of the Spirit. We have gifts of the Spirit that are listed in Ephesians chapter 4. We have gifts of the Spirit that are listed in Romans chapter um, 14 and uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, and we, we see those gifts that God miraculously uh, gives to people to be able to operate within the church. Now, here's what I want you to see here. Follow the way of love, which we talked about last week. Chapter 13, the love chapter, was written so that people would understand that the operation of the gifts is to be done with the motivation of love. There can, there can be no self-interests when it comes to using the gifts of the Spirit. But here's what he says. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, folks, I want you to understand something here. This is your part. This is your part. See, God has His part. The Spirit of the living God can and will empower people in a supernatural way to do supernatural things so that the church can be edified and grow. So that people will come to know Christ. You read the book of Acts, every time there was a miracle performed by one of the apostles, it almost always, it says, the Word of God was confirmed by the miracle. By that supernatural thing which took place which caused the people to know that what the apostle was saying wasn't something that he just made up, but it was, it was something that he was, he was bringing to them and it was the voice of God that was speaking through him and the power of God was displayed in signs and wonders. Okay? Now he says here, you follow the way of love, but eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I'm going to say something here this morning, and I want you to understand this. I'm not being, uh, I'm not trying to be uh, unkind. I'm not trying to be um, judgmental in any way. But I believe that in a, even in a group this size, there are people, there are Christians who are afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. They're afraid of them. You say to them, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and you start thinking about all of the abuses that you have seen of the gifts of the Spirit, and then we back away and we go, I've seen all that, and I don't want anything to do with that when there is a real spiritual gift out there that the Spirit of God wants to give to people to build His church up. 
You understand the dilemma there. You understand the problem. We can fear the gifts of the Spirit because we've seen the abuses. It's like someone who has been physically abused. Maybe a, a child or, a, or a, a, a woman, a woman who's abused, now it becomes difficult to trust other men or a child who becomes abused. It's difficult to trust another adult. So you see the abuses that are going on. And I've seen them. And what happens here is this. We have this, we have this tension. And here's the, here's the tension. We hear Jesus say that there is forgiveness for any sin except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And in the context of him saying that, he was casting out demons and the Pharisees were saying that the reason he could cast out the demons was through the power of Satan himself. And he said, all manner of blasphemy will be forgiven you, but the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, saying that what is being done under the power of God and the Holy Spirit is really the devil. That will lead you into difficulty with the Heavenly Father in a big way. On the other hand, we see people who literally are, are doing things that have, they have no business being associated with the Holy Spirit and His work. See, earlier in chapter 4 here, Paul said, makes a statement. He goes, and he's talking about something else, but he says to the people, he said, you, will, you need to understand what it means when it says, don't go beyond what is written. Don't go beyond what is written. I've heard people and heard of people who allegedly under the influence of the Holy Spirit, will bark like a dog. Are you kidding me? My Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the living God, is going to resort to people barking like a dog to prove that He's powerful. I can do that right now. And I'm certainly not being influenced by the Holy Spirit when I do that. One of you should stand up and bark back to me and we'll call it an interpretation. <laughs> but the problem is, is that God's people won't speak out against that for fear that they and, and I'm not telling you to judge people and say, well, that's not the Holy, the, you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. 
but you just need to, we need to call things as, though, as what they are, that that is not something the Holy Spirit is going to do. I don't, I'm not talking about putting God in a box. I'm just saying don't go beyond what's written. True story. Well, I, that other one was true too, but this one, true story. There was a, some people that I know that in their church, in their church, their drummer was sitting at the drums and suddenly had a message from God on the drums and started playing the message on the drums. What? Don't go beyond what is written. In the 1990s, there was a whole movement, and I think it's still going on. It's not far from here. You drive up the interstate, you can see it. There's a whole movement of, of people where the, the evidence of the Holy Spirit was people laying on the ground, rolling around in laughter. Now, there's certainly joy in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. But don't go beyond what is written. Now, do you, you understand how those kinds of abuses will cause people to become uncomfortable and then want to run away from the true spiritual gifts that God wants to give people that will actually benefit and uplift and edify the body of Christ, the ones that he names. Some people say, well... That's just, that's just so emotional. It's, it's emotional stuff. Folks, I've got to tell you something. I want you to help me to understand how it is possible to have an encounter with the living God of the universe and not become emotional. How is that possible? How is it possible for the living God of the universe to come down to you and speak to you and dwell in you and work through you and you don't become emotional? How is that possible? Now, we don't run on emotion. We don't live on emotion. We live by faith. Understood. But I'm going to tell you something. When the living God comes down and wants to speak and wants to deal and wants to be in relationship with you, you're going to have an emotional response to that. How that will manifest itself, I'm not, I don't know. I don't want to put anybody in a box, but that's the truth of the matter. Some people come to Christ and they just... Uh, they just cry and cry and cry, and there's, there's you know, that. And then, 
what we don't want to do is say, well, oh my, you came to Christ, but you didn't cry, so I guess you didn't come to Christ. The emotion is different. But there's a, you can never have an encounter with the living God without being emotional. Without it affecting your emotions. You will, God created us with those. So Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Do you? Do you? Do you eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Is that something that you pray about? Is that something that you go before the Lord and say, Father, your word says that I should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And I'm coming to you now and I just want you to know that I am yielded to you and I am, and I am yours to be used in any way. And if there's a spiritual gift you want me to have, I want to have it and I want it to be used for the betterment of your kingdom and the edification of your church. Do you eagerly desire spiritual gifts? That's what it says. Forget the abuses. Forget the abuses. And think about the real thing. Think about the real thing. Now Paul, here in chapter 14, is trying to correct some abuses. And we're just going to go through this. We're going to go through it rather quickly because... I want, you to, I want you to just see that what he's saying here is, first of all, he's not saying, he talks about the difference between, most of the way through, he talks about the difference between prophecy and tongues. Because apparently tongues was a big thing to the, to the church in Corinth. Being able to speak in tongues was a big thing. He tells them, you guys come together, almost every time you come together, and everybody's got a tongue, and everybody's got a hymn, and everybody's got a revelation, and everybody's got this and that. And he goes... You're, you're chaotic. The way you operate, you're chaotic. Two or three people are speaking at the same time and, 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 and nobody knows what's going on. And he, and he goes on and he says, that's not the way God operates. He said, my God is a God of order. My God does things decently and in order. And he gives them instructions on how to make that happen in their services and in their congregation. He said, there's a diff there's both of these things are good. As a matter of fact, as he gets to the end, he goes, don't forbid to speak in tongues. Don't forbid them to do that. Rather prophesy, but don't forbid. So he compares the two and he says they both have their place. They both have their place. They are both gifts from God and they both have their place and can be used by God to build up and edify the church. But they have to be used properly in order for that to happen. Otherwise, there's chaos. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, for their encouragement and the comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. 
I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or the harp, how will anyone know what, is, what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You, are, you will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. Now, I want to say something to you. There, a lot of the opposition to the concept of, and again, this, this can stem from, from abuse, but there will be folks who will say, well, I heard somebody speaking, and it just sounded like a bunch of gibberish. Well, it's true, because you didn't understand it. Now, I want to I ask you a question. I want to see if anybody has any idea. How many, how many languages, and that's what it's saying here. They use the word tongues, but it says, he says, there are all sorts of languages. And the word, when we see the word tongues, we're talking about languages. Okay, that's what he's saying, languages. How, want you to, how many languages are there in the world today? Anybody have any idea? Just bark out a number. How many languages are there in the, in the world? How many think there's 500? How many think there's a thousand? More? Two thousand? You're getting there, Tim. There are actually almost seven thousand different languages in the world today. Seven thousand languages. And some of those languages are spoken by less than a thousand people. They are, there are places on this planet where there are small, small communities and groups of people that have their own language and dialect and they communicate with one another and they cannot communicate outside with anyone else because they have their own. There are some languages in the world that the, the majority of, the, of their language is, is clicks of the mouth. Okay? Now... You see, the thing is, they're communicating with one another. And here's the other thing. God understands them. God understands what every one of those languages, those 7,000 dialects and languages, He knows what they're talking about. Now, here's the really marvelous thing. Here's what I want you to see. <clears throat> okay? And please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not... <coughs> pardon me. I'm not... <coughs> My goodness. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm not pushing for anything here. I don't have an agenda other than the Word. But what I'm saying to you is this. How, 
powerful would it be? Okay, how powerful would it be if, if God, in his sovereignty, would decide to, by the power of his Spirit, enable one of you to speak a message that he had for this congregation or for, or for, for others, and he supernaturally gave you the ability to speak that message in one of those languages that is only known to a thousand people. And on top of that, he gave someone else in the congregation the ability to interpret it so that you would know what he has to say. Now you say, well, why couldn't he just say it in English? What I'm saying to you is how much more powerful would the word, of, the word that God has for you if he did it in that sort of a miraculous way? Wouldn't you just go, whoa, I think he really wanted us to hear that. Now it all has to be done in decency and in order. But you see, we, we just say, well... You know, if it's not one of the, you know, if it's not like English or Spanish or French or German or Russian, you know, hey, I heard a story one time where somebody, where somebody stood up and began to give a message and someone else stood up and made the interpretation and there was an individual in the room that went and said, where did you learn that dialect? And they said, I never did. I didn't know what I thought I was speaking in English. Where did you learn to interpret? I have no idea. The words just came to me. And they said, that's my native language. And I understood everything you were saying. And the interpretation was correct. That was a powerful move of God. Let's not be afraid. What I, want you to, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to be afraid of the marvelous power of God that has the ability to work Within the, within the body of Christ. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but especially prophecy, which is the ability to foretell and foretell the Word of God. Now, he's telling us here there, is a, there are there's levels of importance. And prophecy is really important because prophecy is the ability to speak in your native language and have people with that native language hear it and understand it. It's important that they hear the Word of God. But sometimes God wants to do things out of the box. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am foreigner to the speaker and he's a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I've had people pray for me to be healed, and they prayed in tongues, and I don't know what they're saying. I don't know, maybe they're saying, I hope he gets worse. I don't mean that. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make fun. But I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I don't know what they're saying. I can't say amen to what they're saying because I don't know what they're saying. See? And, and that's what, he's, what he says here. It, I can pray in tongues and pray in spirit, 
My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Well, that's okay. When you're praying to the Father and you happen to pray in a, in a tongue to the Father, the Father understands one of those 7,000 languages. He understands them. But your mind is unfruitful because you don't know what you're saying. So what shall I do? Well, he says, I'll pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I need to know what I'm saying. I need to be able to do that. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving? See, that was what I was just talking about. Since he does not know what you are saying, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. See, if, I, if I'm praising God, how is he going to say, well, amen, brother, I, I agree. I agree. I don't know what you said. I don't know. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man's not edified because he can't understand what you're saying. I thank God, Paul says, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, and he's talking about privately now. He's talking about doing this privately. He said, but in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why? Because it'll build other people up. They'll understand what I'm talking about, and it will build them up. Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, though men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. And prophecy, however, is for believers and not for believers, for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? See, that's what was happening. They were coming in and they were hearing all these people and they were all speaking in different languages and yet they couldn't understand them and they said, these people are crazy. It's kind of like what they did at the day of Pentecost. Remember? Peter stood up and said, hey, these people aren't drunk with wine like you think they are. They're not drunk with wine like you think they are. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare so he will fall down and worship God, explaining God is really here. Why? Because he heard the word and he understood it. What shall we say then, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? All of these must be done for the... All, let me back up a little bit. What shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, or a tongue, or an interpretation? Listen to what it says. All these things must be done for the strengthening of the church. See, he's not saying, oh, no, 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 no. No, don't have a hymn, don't have a word of instruction, don't, don't know there to be no revelation, no tongues, no interpretation. No, he says all of those things must be done for the strengthening of the church. The church needs those things. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. 
Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. There is a peaceful, unchaotic way of going about this. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. There will never be a time when the spirit of the prophet will overwhelm the prophet to where he cannot help himself in anything that he does or says. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the control of the prophet, for God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. God is a God of order and a God of peace. Okay, here we go. As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. As the law says, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Apparently what was happening here is that women did not understand things that were going on, and they would call out to their husbands, and speak out in church, and it was an interruption. It was, a, it was an interruption in the peace of the service. It became chaotic. Now, the reason I say that is because I don't believe that what Paul was saying is that women can't speak. Listen to what, listen to what, and it's confirmed in the new. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters. Boy, you guys are awful weak on that. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, Every, your young men will see visions, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay? In Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Peter says, in this, this is what you're seeing at the day of Pentecost with all these people speaking in different languages to all the different languages that were present at the day of Pentecost. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. It sounds to me as though God in Joel and God in Acts is repeating the fact that both men and women will prophesy. Now, it all has to be done in decency and in order. It isn't done by calling out. He's talking about disrupting things. But apparently, women are going to prophesy. Now, Paul, in other places, it says that women should not teach men. But because they may be able to prophesy doesn't necessarily mean that they're teaching or that they have usurped the authority of men which God, has, which God has put into place. But 
Why would God say that women are going to prophesy if he didn't want them to prophesy? I, I, I don't know. That's a dilemma. And I will leave that to you. Did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it has reached? He says to the Corinthians. If anybody thinks he's a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy. Be eager to prophesy. Be eager to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. God will not, the Spirit of God will not produce chaos. Do not go above what is written or beyond what is written. Okay. Here's your homework. Tell the Lord, Father, I believe that you still want to use the gifts of the Spirit to build up and edify the church. And I am your willing servant to be used in any way you see fit. I do not fear you. I do not fear your Spirit. I do not fear your gifts. But I do want to see your church built up and edified and made stronger. So please use me in any way that you can. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Father, in Jesus' name we come to you. And we thank you for your word. Father, your, your word says you're not the author of fear. If we are fearing your gifts, then that's not you. So I just pray, Lord, that, that your children, the, your, your people that call your name, that are followers of Jesus, that love you, Lord, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I just pray, Lord, that you will just open up their hearts and minds to say, Father, I see how important your gifts are to you and to your church. And I am an open and willing vessel to be used in any way, shape, or form. I will not shy away from the gift that you may put upon me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Use me to grow the church, to strengthen the church, edify the church, your body, your people, my brothers and sisters. Lord, we want to pray for other extensions of the church that are important and important to us. I want to pray for the EE prison ministry. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that ministry. I pray for art and as he's traveling extensively and 
and on this ministry trip. And Lord, I just pray your blessing upon him, your protection upon him. I pray, Lord, that it will be a fruitful time, a time when, as the gospel is presented, people are responding as, as the mission of, of EE prison ministries is brought to Christians. They will embrace it and want to be a part of it. I pray, Lord, for the transitional center, and I pray, Lord, that you will just continue to, to bless that place. I pray for each and every woman and girl that is in that place that they will never leave there without knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, for Chaplain Burke, and I pray that, Lord, you will just continue to bless her and use her as she gives the daily spiritual guidance to those girls. Thank you for her love for them and for her sweet spirit. Father, I pray for love serves, and I do thank you for all that they're doing in the Dominican, for the churches that are being impacted by that powerful ministry. Father, we just pray for that upcoming mission trip in just a few more weeks. Lord, that there will be a time of just, not just of all work, but there will be a time of refreshing. There will be ample times for ministry, Lord, and just touching lives for the kingdom for you. And then I pray for Todd and Shelley Marks, and I pray for Chris Garris. Thank you for, they, for their being willing to leave their friends and their families and their homes and go to a foreign country because they feel the people there deserve to hear the message of the resurrected Jesus. I pray, I pray, Lord, that you will give them wisdom and that you will give them a very fruitful ministry. And then we thank you for our daycare here where we are ministering to children every day for the summer camp. Uh, we pray for VBS that's coming up as we're going to have an opportunity to minister to children. Father, we just please, pray that you fill this place up. Make us put all the chairs out. And fill this place with, with kids that are eager to hear the gospel of Jesus. I pray for each and every person who's volunteered to help. Pray for those who haven't volunteered to help, that you'll convict them and they'll want to help. Lord, it'll be a great opportunity to serve you in such a capacity. Now, Lord, I just pray that you'll take us from this place. May we be a light to a dark world and may the world see Jesus in us before it sees anything else. In your name we pray, amen.